0: Hello, Deborah Ishihara here, podcast editor for Talking Work. Many employees working behind computer screens in their homes during the past year or so have been tempted to do the same thing from an address abroad. On the face of it, that just sounds like the employee will be working from a different room on Zoom calls, but actually there can also be a very big difference in terms of the rules and regulations that apply. And these are definitely something employers need to have a handle on. So today we're going to look into working from home from abroad. Welcome to Talking Work, the employment law podcast by Use Laboris. In each episode, we invite a different guest to discuss what's happening in the world of work. If you're an HR professional of any kind, this podcast is for you. I have with me today Sophie Maas, partner at our Belgian law firm, Kleissen Engels. Sophie specialises in immigration and global mobility and heads up our international group of experts from around the world on this topic. She and her colleagues have been working on a project that we've just put live on our website, setting out everything employers need to consider when employees want to work from anyone of about 25 different countries, and I'm hoping she'll explain something to us about that in a moment. Hi Sophie, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast as always. Hello, Deborah. Hi. First of all, let's start with the basics, Sophie. Someone calls their employer on Zoom and says, I want to work from now on from another country. What should the employer's initial reaction to that be? Should they be positive about it and try to accommodate it? Or should they just say, we don't want to get into this, so no?
1: Well, actually, the first initial reaction should definitely be, and this is what my advice would be, think twice before you say yes. Um, Because having an employee working from another country may have various consequences on various levels. There might be some immigration aspects to consider, uh, tax and social security uh, consequences, employment law consequences, and so forth. So I believe that as a company, it is important uh, to have clear policies in place as to how to deal uh, with such questions. Um, Actually, what we see in practice is that now many companies are now strategically thinking about the new workplace beyond COVID-19. And let's face it, remote working will be part of that. But then the question comes up, will we allow our employees to work from abroad? And actually, employees, we hear from employers that employees are already asking for that. And it may also be, if you think about it, it may also be an important tool to attract and retain talent. So I would advise clients to have and know to think about policies and topics that they might include are, for example, which countries will we allow? Uh, For example, uh, in the EU, I'm from Belgium. In the EU, there is an important difference if you would allow people to work within the EU or outside the EU. Because if if Europeans will start working outside the EU, that will add an additional layer of complexity. So that is the first thing which is an important element Uh, to consider then another aspect which will be important is how long how long will we allow our employees to work from abroad Um, actually those last weeks we had many requests and what we see is that there is kind of a trend to limit it to one month uh, per year but then the next question comes up how will we trace all this and what procedures will we put in place And how will we deal with potential, and that is especially important for longer periods abroad, with potential impact on on remuneration because the taxation and social security uh, might be different. So I think it's important for employers to start thinking about all these aspects now.
0: Okay, so let's get into some of the specifics of the things you mentioned then, of which there seem to be many. Um, there are a few bases that employers need to cover if they're going to do this. So um, one of those is whether the employee is allowed to spend time in the new country, in other words, immigration. What should employers be thinking and checking about this and whose responsibility is it actually?
1: Well, actually, Deborah, and uh, that applies for everything in international mobility. Um, I think the first question uh, employers should always ask is what are the business immigration uh, requirements at stake here? Um, because since employees will work from abroad, employers should check if employees do not need any visas or work permits or residence, uh, see permits and so forth. Um, And for EU nationals, as long as they stay in the EU, most of the time that will not be an issue because within the EU uh, we have free movement. but it might be that other uh, formalities apply. But it is especially important, for example, for third country nationals in the EU, but also for uh, other countries outside the EU because in most of them visas or work authorizations might be needed. And this is also the responsibility for the employer as significant penalties may apply in case of non-compliance. Um, a thing that then should also be checked is whether there are no exemptions, because in many countries there might also be exemptions, but what we see is that most exemptions are at least or very often uh, limited in time. So there again, there's this question of tracking. Which is important also for employers uh, to follow up. And then, if authorizations are needed, then uh, companies might need to check whether any uh, specific uh, conditions apply, such as salary conditions uh, and so forth.
0: So, how about another thing you mentioned then social security?
1: Uh, well, there again, actually, applicable social security is very often linked uh, to the place where the work is physically carried out. So employers will then need to check if any exemption to this work state rule apply, for example, under a bilateral social security uh, treaty, or if we are within uh, the EU, again, and actually it's a bit broader, it's, uh, it applies for the Europe- European Economic Area and also for Switzerland, there is a European framework around this which is called Regulation 883-2004, and it uh, has even been copy-pasted, so to say, in the trade and cooperation agreement with the UK. So it is important to check whether any exceptions to this uh, rule apply, and exceptions may apply, for example, for temporary postings, or where the work is simultaneously uh, carried out in two or more uh, countries. And in particular in the European economic area, Switzerland and in the UK, because the countries are rather small, uh, care care should be uh, taken when employees are actually residing in another member state than their normal work state, what we would call frontier workers. Um, Because if those workers start partially working from their home and that is something we might know and I think in the future we will see this a lot like under the so-called hybrid models where you work for example two days at the office and three days from home. But for those employees, employers must be very carefully because within the EU there is a rule saying that if an employee works 25% from his Home state from his residency state, that then the social security of the residency state will apply. So, for those employees who partially work in their home state, which is in another state and their normal work state, that will then have as a result that their uh, social security will swift if they work at least 25% in their uh, residency state. Um, that being said, um, at this moment, uh, because of the uh, COVID 19 restriction. Uh, the position has been taken and at least it applies for most uh, european uh, member states that until 30 june uh, 2021 and to be seen uh, whether that will be uh, extended um, that uh, the days of teleworking at home uh, from abroad will be neutralized to determine uh, applicable social security if this is solely linked uh, to the COVID-19 restrictions, but moving forward or looking at it uh, in in the future, it is very important to keep those frontier workers uh, in mind if they start working partially from
0: home. Mm -hmm. So in practical terms then, what paperwork do employers need to think about in terms of social security, particularly in the EU, let's say, and is there any other sort of paperwork to do come to that?
1: Well, first of all, we need to be checked if a A1 form, which is kind uh, certificate of coverage, uh, uh, covering or confirming. Uh, applicable Social Security within the EU and, and actually is a bit broader as European Economic Area, uh, Switzerland and the UK needs to be uh, applied for in that particular uh, situation. Uh, but then it should also be checked if any health insurance cards like in the EU, we have European health insurance cards uh, that uh, need to be applied for so that employees have access to uh, health insurance. Um, Then, in addition, it should also be checked if any notifications to uh, local authorities uh, must be done. And if so, if there are any exemptions uh, and so forth. And then lastly, uh, what should also be checked if any particular social documents uh, must be kept or might be requested uh, by the authorities in case of uh, control.
0: Okay, then. So what about tax then, Sophie?
1: Well, tax is also very important elements to have in mind Um, because first of all uh, the employer should check uh, whether having the employee working from abroad does not entail a risk uh, for the employer of having a permanent establishment abroad which may result in uh, foreign corporate tax liabilities for the employer and actually this is a question of fact but must be examined on a case-by-case basis. But also for personal income tax matters, employers should check double taxation treaties because they're also working from abroad may have tax consequences. For example, it might be that foreign taxes become applicable or that there will be a split taxation. Um, Key elements in all this is the place where the employee will have his tax residency. And also the number of days that the employee will spend outside his country of normal tax residency and also uh, where the country uh, or where the country is where the employer is located uh, that pays for the employee's uh, salary. But a change of the employee's personal tax status may also have implications for the employer because if other taxes apply, this may also result in different withholding taxes that must be withheld uh, by the employer. So, taxes is definitely also a very important element uh, to take into
0: consideration. Mm, That certainly sounds like it. So let me ask now about the employment laws of the host country. I'm thinking of things here like the minimum wage in the new country, the working hours rules, holiday entitlements, including things like public holidays, which may be different in the new place, non-discrimination rules and so forth. Do they apply, all of them, some of them? Does it depend on the country?
1: Well, Deborah, actually, this is a very interesting uh, question. Uh, obviously, you first need to check the law that applies to the employment contract. But then the question comes up, are there any other local mandatory laws that apply during the period that the person works abroad uh, despite the law governing uh, the employment contract? And the answer to that question really depends on the relevant country. Uh, For example, in Belgium and in France, we take the position uh, that the Posted Workers Directive applies as soon as an employee is temporarily working on our territories. Even if there is no receiving uh, company in uh, Belgium or in France and the employee just continues to work uh, from his uh, for his foreign employer from his, let's say, temporary house in Belgium or his holiday home uh, in uh, France. And it seems that also the position in Luxembourg uh, tends to be uh, in that uh, direction. The result of this is that as of day one, a whole set of French and Belgium local mandatory terms and conditions will apply regardless of the law that applies to the employment contract. And then we are thinking of minimum wages, working time rules, but also sector CBAs that have been declared uh, generally binding. But that is not the approach of all member states. If we look, for example, a bit more to the east, then we see that in some eastern countries, such as Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria, and Slovenia, but also more in the north, Finland, uh, Estonia, Latvia, they take the position that local rules will only apply if their um, uh, country is the place of habitual employment for the employee, or if the of their employment has its closest links with their country. So resulting in no local rules to apply if it is only something very temporary, except perhaps from the health and safety uh, rules. But again, that uh, needs to be examined uh, per country. But then we also have other countries like Italy and Poland, where they also consider the posted workers directive does not apply but on the other hand there will still be some local mandatory rules such as minimum wages working time etc that will nonetheless apply so that was europe but also if we look outside europe it is really a country per country analysis uh, that needs to be made Uh, for example in china we have no local employment protections if no work permit must be requested. Of course, the question will then come up, do we need a work permit? But also in Australia and in New Zealand, uh, there also seems to be, uh, or it also seems to be the position that there must at least be a sufficient connection uh, for the local rules uh, to apply with the exception of uh, the health and safety rules. So really a, a country per country analysis that needs to be made.
0: And there are, as you've mentioned, certain rules to do with teleworking itself, things to do with health and safety, for instance. How about those? Well, again,
1: that is a bit the same answer. It really needs to be checked according to the relevant country. For example, the rules uh, concerning teleworking, they apply as of day one in Belgium, Luxembourg, but for, for example, only after 12 months in France. Um, on the contrary, um, local health and safety standards, that are one of the matters that in most or at least of the countries that we have seen, that uh, if there is one matter that will apply as of day one in most of them, uh, it is health and safety standards, even in those uh, countries which would normally uh, consider uh, that there must be at least a sufficient Uh, connections, but there are still some exceptions. There were also, uh, it it does not apply uh, for health and safety uh, standards. So, but the message is the same, really to be checked uh, on a country per country
0: uh, basis. Mm. And are there any other things that employers should think about?
1: Well, perhaps other and also another important thing to consider is that if employees will work from abroad, then we will, of course, have transfer of data. Um, So perhaps employers should then also check if they need to take any additional data privacy measures or uh, measures to protect uh, company uh, data and uh, confidential information.
0: Hmm. So just to turn things around a bit, we've been talking so far about what happens if an employee requests to go abroad, but what could happen if they just go without telling their employer? Where do the responsibilities lie if things go wrong?
1: Um, Of course, I can only uh, respond to this question from a Belgian uh, point of view. Uh, But from a Belgian perspective, uh, my response would first of all be that the place of employment is an essential term of the employment contract. So parties need to agree to that. And the employee cannot uh, unilaterally change uh, without telling his employer uh, the place of work. Um, So they should ask permission. Um, Of course, now we have this very uh, kind of uh, hybrid situation uh, where things have started to grow organically, but therefore I think it is very important for employers now to take policies on that, to define it, and to make it clear uh, that the place of work is something parties need to agree on, because it's part of their employment contract, which cannot be changed like that by your employees unilaterally.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much, Sophie, for all those thoughts and for coming on the podcast today. From what Sophie says, it seems that there's quite a lot to think about, but as the rules differ across the world, it's not something you can easily prepare for. You kind of need to know which country you're dealing with first. So as I mentioned earlier, Sophie and her international colleagues have come up with a survey setting out what rules apply when an employee goes to any one of about 25 countries, and they'll actually be adding more countries in the coming days. So if one of your employees asks to work abroad, hopefully this will give you some details. And if the country's not included, you can still get in touch with us and we'll find out the answers for you. The survey is on our website and there's a link to it in the notes to this podcast. Sophie's group also provide an update on immigration and global mobility rules around the world every couple of months. And there's a link to the latest one of these in the notes. We've also included Sophie's details plus an email address for me so you can get in touch with us easily. And if you'd like to find out anything more about any aspects of employment law, we have a massive information on our website. So please do have a browse around at voice.com. And I hope you'll join us next time on the podcast. That's it for this episode of Talking Work, but we'll be back very soon with more insights from our guests from around the world. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit usaboris.com to access all our content resources and tools.